Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the show. This is, of course, your host, David Scales. I'm bringing you an episode today with um, notable surf writer Chaz Smith. You know Chaz as the co-founder of BeachGrit.com. He also wrote a book a number of years, I mean, maybe three years ago called Welcome to Paradise, Now Go to Hell. He actually has a new book coming out called Cocaine Plus Surfing, A Love Story. Um, so we discuss that in this episode. We discuss basically all the gossip that takes place over on Beach Grit. That is the purpose of this episode, to tease apart the comments section and some of the stories that take place over there and get into it beyond just black and white text on your screen. So we cover um, the blood feud, most recent blood feud between Reno Abalera and Matt Warshaw, discuss the state of women surfing, um, Luke Davis's hair color, all sorts of stuff. So enjoy the episode. You can find everything that Chaz and I discuss on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then, of course, make sure just to spend your time over on beachgrit.com. Chaz and I plan to get together in the future much more frequently. So um, send your feedback about this episode and we'll implement it in future episodes. All right. A couple final notes. You can support Surf Splendor in two ways. Make a donation, uh, throw a couple of shekels in the bucket. That helps the show to stay alive. And then also just rate and review the show in iTunes and then share the show with friends. The more listeners we have, the more we will be able to attract radical guests like Chaz himself to uh, spread their influence on this show. All right? So thanks for doing that. So without further ado, this is David Scales getting Chaz to give me the grit. Enjoy the show. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. time we've recorded together first time you had just released your book and uh, welcome to paradise now go to hell give that a plug and so it was much more like a long form interview and then last time was with Derek and so it was a little bit more just like talking about what's happening in the world of surfing as a reflection of your guys website beach grit I realized the only value you have to me now is as a gossip column. <laughs> like, I want to be here to gossip with you. I don't want to interview you anymore. Let's just gossip. That's dude. perfect. That's all I care about anymore anyway. Yeah, perfect. Because I know you and I are both scrolling Instagram all day, every day, just like trying to figure out who's, dating, who's Dion Aegeus sleeping with and who's what's Kelly. When's he going to retire? And is he going to like accidentally reveal that in the subtext of a post? And so we're scrolling that. That's what I want to talk to you about. That's what, when I interview surfboard shapers, they don't care about it. Yeah, no. I think, yeah. does anybody care about it? I don't know. You and I do. I mean, totally. <laughs> I completely do. I love surf gossip. I would think readers of beach grid do yeah right i mean sure yeah i think they care about there it there you go yeah so let's spill it dude give me the grit what is the grit do um, you have anything i'm i got i've got little right in terms now. of gossip yeah what do you Shoot. got if you can if you tee me off maybe i've got something okay i'll give you a, a big one and you're welcome to dodge this yeah even though listeners will judge you for dodging yep, yep. um what's up with owen right missing last year and 
Is there a backstory there that we're not aware of? The story is, of course, head trauma from duck diving, but we've never heard of somebody having head trauma from duck diving before. See, so that, I guess that's my issue right there, right? I mean, there's a lot of rumors that are swirling that... that uh, don't serve anybody to bring up you know I've tried to chase some of them down and, and will continue to try or am continuing to try to get to the bottom of it but to me the bigger thing the bigger issue is okay so the the WSL's you know and Rip Curl for that matter their statement was head trauma from duck diving and then the whole thing has been real zip lipped after that like if it was that, I don't understand why they don't release medical records and why there's not a, a bigger conversation about the dangers of surfing, right? Because if if we're out there or if the WSL, you know, if the athletes are out there and there's potential for brain trauma from a duck dive, which, like, I think I, I think when I write about it, I, I write about it like it's ludicrous, but maybe it's not ludicrous, right? Maybe this is a genuinely, a, a genuine thing that could possibly, probably you know maybe happen yeah but so where's the conversation about it and to me the fact that nobody is having a conversation about it and everyone thinks that when i go around looking for for truth as it were in this matter people think i'm looking for nefarious things um and if uh, again if there was some if there's some other cause for his head trauma than a duck dive great okay we can talk about that and and to me it wouldn't whatever that was it wouldn't diminish the fact that he has come back uh you know that he was from all accounts and and from everything i saw having trouble walking and having trouble paddling and things like that to being you know a year later back at the top of his game so it's an amazing story no matter what the cause was if the cause really is what was purported i don't where's the medical records that back that up and can, why can't we have a conversation about about the you know the, the the dangers of head trauma and duck diving and surfing? Like why is it, nobody's willing to have that conversation? Which is totally strange to me. It is very strange. I understand the not releasing medical records. I guess because um, I don't know. It's just weird. Like it almost validates. It somehow plays into a conspiracy. Yeah, but you, a but you knock, bit. but but you knock the conspiracy out right away when you when you present. I mean, if people are whispering, right? And if you don't care, then you don't care, and maybe nobody cares, and they're happy to, you know, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't much matter. But again, I don't want to see the medical records either, just just for some kind of for some kind of creepy gossipy way. Like I'm really curious, uh, genuinely curious, what a you know potentially what a duck dive does to the human brain. Yeah, I mean, isn't that interesting to you? It's fascinating. Yeah, like because uh, what you know, uh, there is a lot of force, right? I mean, there's a lot of yeah. stuff happening. There's a lot of stuff moving around. I've never heard of, uh, about it happening. You never have. I don't think there's any recorded <laughs> thing in surf history but of this. But it doesn't. That doesn't I, mean it didn't happen. You know, because it's no. like there's obviously even in the NFL and like they're just now getting around to measuring those things and see and that's a hundred percent i guess my frustration and point is like and again i get that i'm a muckraker and so people think that i'm automatically raking muck when i when i start asking questions about stuff and so they'll shut down and be like uh, you know it's just rude you're i mean i think that the people who have talked to me about it will um they'll speak to me like i'm like i'm kicking a guy you know making fun of a guy who just died or something like that and and like there's none of I, I want none of that I like 
it's all fine if there's if there's some muck there then sure let, let's rake it up but really and genuinely the concussion thing in the NFL you would have thought that you know from day one these guys are running around hitting each other with their heads that people would have known about it etc cetera, etc cetera. but it literally just came out two year within the last two years uh, and the whatever what's it called what's the thing called that makes people commit suicide and yeah, the whatever the, that specific brain trauma, right? All of this stuff has just just been revealed, and so if Owen genuinely had this thing that happened to him, right, and uh, Rip Curl and the WSL is keeping it under wraps because they they don't want to, they think there's some kind of a conspiracy or or something, then. I just, like, to me, it behooves them, both the WSL and Rip Curl, to deal with this really seriously. If that's what you said happened, uh, if that's the truth, that he that he had brain damage from a duck dive, then it behooves both Rip Curl and the WSL to make as much information available, you know, as much information as they can widely available so that real people can have a discussion. The fact that there's no discussion, no discussion, zero discussion, other than, wow, isn't this a miracle? Isn't this great that he's winning? Yeah. Is Is... Like, not only is it absurd, to me it's dangerous. It is irresponsible, for sure, if that's the truth. And then that dovetails with the fact that um, the surf industry generally avoids risky conversations like the Andy Iron story and all that sort of stuff. And the big companies that are sponsoring these athletes cover up, actually, details. So there's that, you know. Um, I feel like Beach Grip might be the first source that the just general public has for uncovering some of those things other than maybe like a message board on the back end of surfer magazine or something so i had somebody tell me uh recently that uh nobody wants you know specifically about the owen story and and the person told me uh nobody's going to give you anything because nobody wants beach grit to break the story right where i think that the general perception of beach grit of course that we you know, foster by, as Derek says, tap dancing uh, with our headlines and, you know, having, I think, generally having a good time uh, is that, like, you know, nobody's going to, nobody's going to help us out. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to treat me like a proper investigative journalist in this one, even though that's what I really was, I was, I tried, I tried really, really hard to get to the bottom of this and I'm still trying. But uh, yeah, that, that Beach Grit, in and of how it looks and how it feels and what it is, is an impediment to actually getting real truth out because yeah people are just yeah like you said the surf industry is afraid well okay then my counterpoint to that is so much of the surf media that i consume nowadays is in the comments section actually and it's not necessarily even the article itself and i feel like that allows me to take the pulse of what's happening in the general public much more quickly and I would say even more truthfully than anything that a magazine's putting out or even than the website itself is publishing. 100. I mean, I agree with you 100%. Like I, uh, and I think we're real lucky at Beach Grit to have the comment section that we do have. I think it's, I mean, we have exceptional people in there and I don't know who lots of them are, but yeah, just the, the dialogue I think is, you know, is funny and fun, but it's also oftentimes very informed, um, and yeah, people are people are kicking interesting interesting things around. Well, there's so there are a lot of anonymous commentators, but there's also Nick Carroll sure. and there's Maurice Cole, sure. and, and um, so there's kind of legitimate insiders in the surf industry, and then the anonymous ones are largely insiders in the industry as well who'd rather not be named. 
But I mean, it truly. So what I'm saying is, with the Owen story, they're like, "Hey, nobody wants to break the story on Beach Grit." Well, hey, guess what? Yeah, they're going to. It yeah. just will be in the comment section. So you might as well control some of the story. Um, assuming there's a story to break, by the way, this is all alleged, of course, and we haven't even said what the alleged thing is. Sure, but but uh, but even to me, even if the story though is like it just it's just never been properly dealt with, right? There's been two versions of what happened. The WSL had one, and then they changed their version. Uh, like, Can you say what it was and what they changed? I mean, there was one. I, I can't really remember offhand, but there was something about what Owen like just the order of events as okay. it happened, right? Like Owen came up and he either went to sleep or he went straight to the hospital or something. There was okay. a, but there's a pretty big discrepancy in in the order of events uh, as it played out, you know, right after it happened. And again, I'm not suggesting anything untoward, uh, but I'm also wondering why, like, I mean, that's serious, right? To allege that you have, not that he hit his head on the reef, not that he hit his head on the board, because the, the alleged, uh, the statement was that he it was from duck diving, right? Mm-hmm. So the exact story that I remember hearing was, it was before Pipe Masters last year in December, and he actually got three unbelievable waves at Pipe that day. There's video footage of it. He's wearing the tank top short spring suit, yeah. blue. Gets three insane ones. And it was like, it was a big day, but it was kind of unruly, so it wasn't perfect. And he was ruling it out there. He got three insane ones, and then on the, his way back out was duck diving and got like flogged on a couple, went back to the rib curl house took a nap wilkinson woke him up at some point and was just like or maybe he woke up and wilco was in the kitchen he's like dude he you look dazed and delirious let's get you to a hospital yeah that was the story yeah and so but again like if if they would have just said if there were or if the if the statement that would have been released was just said he hit his head on his board or he hit his head on the reef then there's no you know what, yeah. uh, there's no question uh, or, or there's nowhere really to go from there. But the duck dive. The duck dive thing, to me, is where, okay, the, there's... And again, not to not to, to be suggesting anything yeah. nefarious, but just, if that's the truth, okay, how many times has that happened? Is this a real thing? Is there a way to prevent this if this is a real thing? You know, are the surfers... And I think when I ride it on Beach Grit, sometimes I sound jokey. Like, I think I said, we need to do the Owen Wright helmet roll, right? Where, yeah. where all the surfers... If, if this is true... Uh, and the WSL is sending these guys out to, you know, I mean, how many of the breaks are big, you know, fairly aggressive, shallow, shallow breaks, you know, from cloud break to Chopu, pipe, of course. Um, and the WSL is is rolling these guys out there, you know, is the WSL, it's, should they be, should they be actually looking at this? If yeah. this is what they said happened officially. Uh, shouldn't they be looking at this and make sure that you know how how can we prevent this from happening again or or what you know I don't know there's just and there's zero discussion no discussion not a little bit zero I I'd, I'd like to rename it not the Owen Wright helmet rule but the Tom Carroll yeah helmet rule oh it'd be so beautiful or Liam and McNamara maybe. and their gaths out there <laughs> exactly hot pink gas yeah gath can make a big comeback is gath still in business they've got to be right sure yeah the the uh, they sell three helmets a year probably. no the the kids well the what's her name. The awesome Australian girl. Oh, Sally. Sa- Saber. Saber Norris. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saber Norris and all her siblings, I think they're gas, but they're, their folks make them wear helmets every time they surf. Really? I'm, I'm pretty sure they're gas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so they're still in biz. Um, so the comment section not only is liable, likely to release information like that, and like that's kind of, like I said, where I could take a pulse of the general public, it'll also tell me 
what the general public thinks of Luke Davis's latest hair color yeah. <laughs> and what they thought of Adriano making the final and winning in Rio. Like all of it, it totally. covers the gamut, you know. Which which are your favorite uh, um, commentators co- or or message boards to read? Like, do you do you read more than one? Yeah, um, Stab I read and Beach Grit for sure. Um, um, I don't know. I think Beach Grit probably gives me the most information. The, I mean, because Stab hid their comments, or I mean, you have to go through the extra step, right? You have to click on the comments for it to open up. Which I wonder. Yeah, I w- and even then, on certain articles, they don't even allow comments. Yeah. I think it's kind of the advertorial yeah. articles that they don't allow comments on. Um, okay, transitioning topics off Owen, but this actually relates to Owen. It's a theory that dawned on me recently. Again, relates to Owen. Remember um, the white wetsuit? Yeah. Kelly Slater wore a bit. Yeah. Chloe wore it a little bit. The thing's like a superhero costume. Yeah. And it's like, whoever's wearing that thing rips. And like, I don't own one, but I feel like if I put one on, I would then do a 360 or something. Right? Yeah. So my new theory is, does blonde hair make you rip? We've got Ace Bucken made the final. Yeah. We've got... um, Owen, John John Florence, Luke Davis, Mick Fanning, Stephanie Gilmore. I'm looking at all these guys. I'm going, they all have one common denominator. You know, that's really true. And I will say, you know, unless you're Brazilian, but of the Caucasians, is there any? Joe Parkinson has fallen off, right? He's not doing too good. Kelly's blowing it. Kelly's blowing it. Would be a brunette. Would be. Who else else even has brown hair of of the Caucasian surfers? All the crappy ones. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so get blonde. I'm, that's what I'm asking you. You have yeah, blonde hair, so I do. I'm like, dude. I rip, kind of. Obviously, you I must. Ripped, I ripped this morning, yeah, out there of D Street. I was getting it. So I'm going to stop by my stylist on the way yeah, home. Yeah, get a blonde. Yeah, yeah I'm going perfect. For it, dude. Um, my favorite section or my favorite recurring series on Beach Grade is Blood Feud. Oh, yeah. You need more Blood Feud. I know. And see, okay, so we, we had a bunch at the start. Uh, and now we'll use Blood Feud generally when it's like real serious. Like, so I, th- I feel we were we weren't overusing it, uh, but I, the ones we've had lately, like Matt Warshaw versus Reno Blood Feud, to me that was abs- that was like epic writing right there. And it's still going. Yeah, right? no, no. Reno, yeah, Reno wrote a letter to Derek, uh, which was amazing. And then Derek published it, yeah. which I dig. Yeah, I mean, that, see, that's one of, to me. That's the there's a lot of fun things about Beach Grid, I think. Personally, I'm biased. But yeah. one of the funner things is there's honestly no back room. There's no closed door. It's like anything we get goes up online. Any conversation I have with anybody from Zach Weisberg to anyone to Derek, you know, like our infighting will write about. Which, yeah, yeah it's in the surf industry that where there's back room after back room after back room after back room. To me, it's a Beach Grid is a breath of fresh air in that what I know is... is you know what I know that's not going to get me sued uh, is upfront. So break down that Reno Matt Warshaw argument real quick, if you can. I mean, there's so Reno, famous surfer from seventies, sixties. Reno I Avalera, guess. yeah, and Shaper, guy, amazing. Um, he was frustrated, I guess, about his Encyclopedia of Surfing uh, entry, and so teed off on Matt on Instagram, um, and then yeah. And it was a long, a long tee off. Real mad, but and it, and it was questioning it was Warshaw's questioning. Um, 
research, basically. It was questioning his research, and, and specifically, if I recall, to, to the fact that Reno's dad, Matt, I think, in the Encyclopedia of Surfing, said Reno's dad died in a bar fight in a Honolulu bar, and Reno was really mad and said that, no, he did not. He died at a pool house... Something like so a fine, de- very minor detail, which is funny, funny, funny to me, because it's a real surf thing, I think, and maybe a Hawaiian thing too. Is they'll get so people will get so mad at the smallest, like it was totally negligible. It, like, it was. He died in a in a Reno's dad died in a kind of underworld scuffle, right? I mean, well, so yes, yes, and the way that Warshaw worded it was like. He was the um, strong arm for the local bar or whatever. Yeah. And then Reno's argument back was like, that's not true at all. He worked in the underworld. and it yeah. was it, So it's like Reno's arguing, yeah, he did die, and it was underworld and seedy. It's just slightly different. It was to- it's totally weird how – and part of, part of it makes me – I mean, God bless Matt Warshaw because I would not want his job ever. Uh, but, you know, surfers, I think, the, the oral history that surfers have, I think they'll just go crazy on it where it's, okay, come on. It's all the same thing here, you know. Like the point, the point is exactly the same thing. Your, die, your dad died, uh, you know, in Honolulu in a, in a kind of a seedy slash interesting way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's the, some of the bigger arguments I've had in surf or with surf people have been just over weird minutia that I wrote. Like, I never wrote a single fin. I never. Exactly. Like, so I thought that Reno was going to attack Matt for defaming the yeah. honor of his dad, but that really wasn't no. what it was at all. Zero. It was that Matt got his, Matt got his research wrong. And then, I, you know, I don't know why else Reno was mad. It seemed like he had a lot of pent-up anger or frustration. And maybe... It's I guess it's funny kind of in surf that there's only one authoritative voice, which is Matt, Matt Warshaw's voice. He's he's taken the mantle. He's taken it on. Don't, I don't think anybody else wanted to do the amount no. of work that he has done. To you know, it's not like he. I don't th- I don't think he's arrogant at all about about being surfing's only historian. Right. But he is surfing's only historian. And maybe Reno or these guys gets get mad. I, I could see people getting mad like, hey, you co-opted our history, even though nobody else wanted to do it to do, do Matt's work. job yeah well it's funny um it's so representative of so much of the way that the surf world works and i loved warshaw's retort like obviously reno just blasted that out on instagram he didn't contact matt and be like hey can you amend this he blasted it out on instagram so then matt wrote an, basically an open letter to and posted it sent it to you guys and you guys posted it and I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. And it was so classy. And he, first sentence, Reno is my top three favorite surfers in the world of all time. And then went on to lovingly, um, you know, explain why. And then said, and by the way, when I was writing Reno's bio, I reached out to him five times. He never returned any messages. So I did my due diligence. And then I cross-referenced all the facts and back-checked with eight different sources, and that's how I can, came up with this information, basically. Um, classy response. I mean, Matt, and Matt, to me, is just a classy guy, right? Like, it's so easy when you get when you get a full frontal assault on you to, to get defensive right away or, yeah. or to, you know, counterpunch. But Matt's lack of counterpunch and just, you know, stating, stating both where he came to his yeah where he came to his conclusions also you know that reno was 
was one of his top favorite surfers. And then at the end, where he says, to get jumped on, I can't pretend it doesn't hurt. So to admit to admit that, you know, I think it's uh, like I'll dance through life half the time. And, ah, whatever, like you slap all you want, nothing hurts. Right. Uh, for Matt to admit that it, that, that had sting, to me, was a was a, a classy move, too. Well, it was endearing. Yeah. You know, it made me kind of realize that, yeah, dude, all of our feelings are in this a little bit. I mean, you know? totally. And, again, to, to I guess to plug Matt's thing, you know he just took the Encyclopedia of Surfing, put it behind a paywall, so now you, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's been doing God's work, or maybe Satan's work, for uh, <laughs> for so long now. And to me, I love, I love the fact that he's, I love the, personally, I love the fact that it's off Surfer now. Uh, that surfer's not no longer the kind of gateway to the history of surfing, yeah. which to me it seems silly that that they would let that go. But in letting that go, the fact that it's now ours and not you know beach grits, but it's all of ours together. As long as you just pay your three bucks, right? To me is is a beautiful thing. So when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's we should mention that to listeners. It's three dollar monthly subscription. Yep, and you get the entire encyclopedia of surfing, the entire history of surfing, and the long form interview one. It's a no brainer. Yeah, it's, it's silly. It is. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Um, what was Reno's most recent response to that? Did you did you read it? I read it this morning. Did yeah. you read it? Yeah, I read it. It's, I mean, did he send it to you guys, or where did he publish that? I don't. He must have sent it to Derek. He didn't okay. send it to me. Oh, it was actually addressed to Derek. It was That's at right. the top. Yeah. So, but right. I don't. But maybe he put it on his Facebook or something okay. as an open letter because I think Derek referenced it as an open letter. But to me, what I was just most impressed with, like the content of what Reno said, you know, fighting over this or that, or you know, I don't much care. It didn't. It seemed like a real kind of old man 
you know, I got mad about this stupid thing and blah, 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 I'm an old man off. But what I was so impressed with, I loved reading Reno's writing. It was amazing. He was like a, he was like some, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was just Baroque and it was the, like the way he mixed his pronouns and it was beautiful writing. I, I absolutely loved every word of it. Well, there's a lot to criticize about it, but there was also some real poetry to it, it was, that I it totally was didn't expect. Zero. It was it was the most poetic I think I've ever read a surfer write, and I'm talking about you know writing surfers too. I mean, like yeah, from the from the journalism side too. It was absolutely I I, lo- I loved every word of it. Okay. Well, additionally, he looks crazy. Oh yeah. Like that's the other detail here. Yeah. Like if. Regardless of what they're fighting about, when you read Matt's thing, you're like, well, this is a very uh, reasonable statement to make and a well-formulated thought. And then you read Reno's and you're like, oh, this guy's a little bit nuts. Yeah. Uh, but, but like, oh, that's, I, I just really, I like Matt's sober response. I liked Reno's totally. I mean, I just, I don't, I can't even find words for it. I was, I loved it's it. Tough. I loved it so much though. His off the wall but in a in a genuinely it wasn't like off the wall poorly written it was right. he constructed like an almost work of art uh, for the internet which people don't do anymore right like I mean I'm just the internet to me is so consumable yeah not that I don't put thought into what I write uh but part of the fun, the the enjoyable part is that it's so consumable. So you don't have to be, you know, everything that I put up is littered with typos and, yeah. you know, misspellings and this and that and the other thing. Because it's just meant to be, it's candy, you know, it's yeah. meant to be consumed. And Reno put up something that, that would have taken me a year to write something <laughs> as rich as what he wrote. See, we save the fine art for the podcast world. Charles. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what I need to get into, the exactly. fine art. The exactly. fine art of podcast. It's not candy, <laughs> dude. This is the meat and potatoes. Um, so, do you guys, I guess, this might be jumping ahead of my notes a little bit, but do you guys ever regret or feel bad about anything that you've ever posted on Beach Grit? I don't. Uh, I think, or do I? I mean, in the sense that, like, Warshaw said at the end of that like hey man i can't admit or i can't deny that this doesn't sting a little yeah. bit i feel like i don't know when you go to print on stuff or even stuff that i've published on the podcast i listen to later and i'm like i wish i didn't say that a little bit Does that I'm, ever happen i'm sure i'm sure that i write stuff all the time i think i when i put something up or when i write something that i think is uh was maybe inartful okay. um i think i'll I'll double down internally and think, no, I'm so tired. You know, what I'm, what I'm fighting against is surf industry conservatism. You know, mm-hmm. that's in my mind, that is, that is the, the windmill that I'm tilting at every day. And so when I fail, uh, but when I'm, you know, when I fail aiming at that, then I just force myself not to feel bad. Well, ah, whatever that person should add a temper but i'm i'm a i'm a genuine asshole too i mean <laughs> like i don't say that in a not an endearing one like i just yeah. don't because part of it though is i don't care what i would love i would invite people to write whatever they wanted to about me if it was if it was you know for some anything for some fun for some yeah. let's spar nobody spars the the entire surf right. world is a it's crickets i can go lob grenades all day long into people's houses and I can come home to my own house and it's not one grenade, which right. I'm just so confused about. Why not have fun? I know. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't get people it. People are sensitive, dude. People want to keep their jobs, and they're sensitive. You know? I get. The, I get. I guess I get the surf industry wanting to keep jobs. Like that's something that I finally come to terms with. Is people don't want to rock the boat because this is it. This is their employer, and it's a it's a contracting industry. That's there's not there's not other jobs out there. You know, right. so you lose your team rep job because you said something. Uh, then you're then you're done. But on the media side, I'm I'm confused why. The media doesn't go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Never. Nobody ever, ever mentions each other. Ever. You're launching grenades I try. At, at the inertia. Yeah. At I tr- Weisberg. I try. I try to really get any kind of response. And to me, that they just seem like they're they're lifeless, right? Well, it, it, again, keeping jobs, even though he created that job for himself, I think he's going, hey, throw all the grenades you want. I get half a million clicks a month or whatever the number is for them, maybe more than that. So I don't really care about your grenades. Sure. You know? and, I, and I totally, like, I completely understand uh, his reasoning. What I guess I don't understand is we're still surfers at the end. And so you can't, you, we can't have fun like surfers still. Like, where there's a there's a fun kind of banter that can happen. And again, maybe he doesn't think it's fun. Maybe he thinks it's mean-spirited. And or he when, thinks it's jeopardizing his livelihood, maybe, you know? I, I mean, but there's no way I'm jeopardizing. I mean, maybe. I, I would, don't know. I would hope. I would hope that I'm not that powerful, yeah. of course, <laughs> that I'm jeopardizing the inertia entirely. I would love to sink that piece of shit. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, I would love I would love to bring it all down. Yeah. It is. It is the... I think I can say it is the worst website on the internet. It's worse than Breitbart. It's worse than whatever the Breitbart lefty version is. It's worse than it's worse than anything. Why? Because it it's absolutely milk toast. It has no point of view, uh, and there's this kind of weird pan like, oh, we we celebrate all points of view, but they really don't. It's it's a, as curated as anything toward a specific goal, and not to admit it, not to admit that you're that you have an audience and you're you know. It's, it's all fine. Like, I'm, I know Beach Grid has an audience. I know who they are, and I know where we're driving every day. To pretend that you don't, you're the, the definitive voice of thinking surfers or whatever their motto is, to me, is just right. is to be absolutely ludicrous. And then, and not to stand up for it. Like, when I met with Zach recently, and we had a, you know, fun back and forth. You met with him or when you encountered him? When I encountered him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When I encountered him recently, uh, he was throwing his own, some of his own riders under the bus, right? Like saying, well, we don't, we don't support everything we put up on the inertia. That's, and he was trying to make that sound like that was one of the good parts of it. Right. Of like, you know, we put all different voices up here. Which means like, if I wrote for you and you, you were at a party saying I don't, you didn't support your, your riders or the people you put up. You'd be like, what kind of crappy thing is that? That's awful. Yeah. You as the editor of this thing or the founder of this thing, whether you agree or disagree is one thing. But but uh, like to distance yourself from things, if it goes up, then you should totally stand behind it. Right. I mean, to me. I yeah. don't know. I, 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 the lack of spine there is, yeah, there's just so many things about it that make me it, angry. It, it is a little bit, um, I don't know, unsettling or just kind of, it offends my sensibility in yeah. some way, that lack of a spine that you're talking about. But at the same time, I do recognize, like, oh, they are obviously pandering to the broadest base of this triangle. If we're all in a triangle of surfers and being involved in surf, interested in surfing, they're catering to the guy riding a soft top who bought it at Costco, who maybe actually lives away from the coast. Maybe he's in Arizona, but he comes out every summer and he surfs. And so when he's at work, 
in Arizona throughout the rest of the year, he clicks on those articles. Do you and think learns. he does? I bet he doesn't. You know, I think the I think the only people that the inertia get is Huffington Post readers, and it's when the Huffington Post kind of kicks something inertia e through because uh, they have those I think those like content sharing agreements with the Huffington Post where and so they'll get like a lot of aggregated viewers that way. But I would be shocked if even the soft top guy from Arizona was typing in www.theinertia.com. I like. I don't think anybody cares about it. I it's literally think point. nobody cares about it. They just come up good. They have a great SEO, search engine optimization. Yeah. They have good content sharing, and so they get clicks from other places. Nobody gives a shit about that and, site, though. And they are following that clickbait model. Sure. It's like the top five ways to improve your... Yeah, totally. No, they're, they're your playing... Your pop-up or pr- something. Totally. You know? They're playing the game well, yeah. and their content... They're playing it well, and their content goes to a wider audience. But nobody, I've never met one surfer, never one kook surfer, True. never one hardcore, never one surfer who went to the inertia or liked it. It's a very good point. Um, one area of surfing that I really want to discuss, and I'm not even sure how to discuss it, is women's surfing. And I did send you this note, but I'm going to kind of go over it real quick for listeners. The reality is we can't ever have a real conversation about women surfing because we end up getting labeled as misogynist or sexist or whatever. But the other reality is when they ran the the event at Jaws, um, the women got smashed. And we just saw the final of the Fiji, okay, Fiji Pro, where Courtney Conlog and Tatiana Weston-Webb surfed 8 to 10 foot cloud break in the morning and they got smashed and Courtney won the event with an 8.74 heat total neither of them made a barrel and it's like all that the commentators um, say is oh these women are so brave and I agree with them they are brave but they're not making barrels and they're not even really doing turns they're just surviving a wave and so it's okay to say they're brave but let's call a spade a spade and be like Wow, that was a disappointing heat. Nobody even got a 10-point total. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, I don't know what the conversation is. I don't know I don't know how to fix it. I just want to be able to have the conversation. See, so to me, part of the part of the problem is, right, is you have like these weird random times scattered throughout not even the year, but scattered throughout like a few years. Where so take for example the women out of Jaws and then the women out of Cloudbreak. It's not like they're out surfing cloud. I mean they can serve cloud break, I guess, all they want. But it's not like there's a competition there and big cloud break for them ever. And it's not like there's a competition at Jaws. So they'll throw these women out, I feel, to the wolves in these either specialty events like Jaws where they'll just toss them out there um, or cloud break where all of a sudden they'll announce, you know, okay, hey, wait, well, there's swell coming. We're going to wait for the, you know, instead of finishing the day that they should have, frankly, finished it on, uh, had run up to that point, right? And, yeah. and so you're going to, you know, and I, and I get it. Swell's coming, and that's all great. But if you want the women to surf in great, in good cloud break, then give them their whole event, a time when the guys aren't there at good cloud break. Right? Let them go out there. Let them train. Let them. I have no doubt that uh, you know. I know Bethany can surf amazing and and you know big surf. And for sure, those girls. If if that was if that's what they were supposed to do, if that's the way their tour was geared, their tour is not geared at all towards that. Right? They're right. they're never in any surf like that. I mean. Cloudbreak is the only wave on their schedule that's that's even remotely kind of throaty, right? I mean, Honolulu, Hon- but Honolulu could is, be argued, I, but, it, but, but it's not. It's a, not the same. No, no, it's not the yeah. same as it's not the same as as you know eight to ten foot cloudbreak. Nothing yeah. is, and so throwing them out there for the and and expecting them to 
I think, succeed, even though nothing in their entire world is is geared toward that. To me, is it, it, the fault lays with the WSL on that particular one. And I, f- I firmly, firmly believe that the women need their own tour that's not connected at all to the men's tour. And I know that uh, you know the logistics and the carrying web here and whatever, but fucking figure it out. Like where, so figure out which waves, you know, are best geared toward the kind of surfing not only the women are doing now, but also the kind of surfing they should be doing. Yeah, make it five events, right? But really treat the women's tour with seriousness, and I don't think it's treated with serious. I think it's still like what they've done is make a WNBA. Uh, I feel like the Women's Basketball Association, where it's a total... I mean, I guess the WNBA is kind of a going concern now, but it's kind of an afterthought uh, of this derivative of this men's thing, where I think... I don't know why surfing uh, couldn't be like gymnastics, right? Where I think more people watch women's gymnastics than men's gymnastics when it comes to the Olympics, and they also have different disciplines, right? The men do the Iron Cross or whatever on the rings, uh, strengthy stuff, while the women do, you know floor dancing or whatever plus all the all the athletic stuff they do on the women's gymnastics side but i I just i think zero thought is given into what women's surfing should be and that's a and i'm sure i'm sure there's been some thought i'm sure they have roundtable discussions and and really try to figure it out but it it sure doesn't come across like they're thinking about it very much it seems like a total throwaway so i I, i'm going to take a counterpoint i disagree with you on a couple of things number one i don't think it's the wsl's fault necessarily because i feel like they are trying to navigate it and like at once not patronize the women by what you're saying giving them their own tour and then like well let's just let them go surf lowers where it's a great showcasing of their ability and let's keep them away from pipeline they they've done that in the past and they do it a little bit but now they're seeing opportunities where like hey there is a legitimate swell coming these women have proven themselves in other swells in past fiji's events so let's actually let them rise to the occasion hold off the final until the men's waiting period and let them run in good good surf they've proven themselves up until this point let's allow them to showcase it the problem is they faltered you know so now the wsl goes well what do we do at the jaws event two women went to the hospital sure can we very well put them back out there yeah i mean i think i think jaws is a a weird anomaly just because it's jaws i mean it's like i can't i feel i can't speak to jaws as well but cloud break i feel if they would have run the whole women's event if they would have run the whole thing in eight to ten cloud break sure i think some women would have would have failed, but some would have totally. I think we would have we would have seen amazing barrels. Like the fact that our sample size was so small. It was it was Tati and yeah, uh, Courtney going in cold to this morning one heat right. Like and it they, was a shifty day. It totally, was challenging. Totally, and they hadn't had a chance to sit and watch it. I mean, I'm sure they'd been surfing the last couple of days, but I mean, it was it in, was cold. Yeah, yeah. It was they went in cold. Where so start like have an event at Fiji where you're not you're not splitting a waiting period with the men, right? Where you have your own window, and you know, I mean, I have no, I just have no doubt. There's nothing I've seen that makes me think that Jaws aside, right? I don't know about Jaws, yeah. but uh, that the woman, like lots of the women on that tour, couldn't wouldn't have done. You know, we would have we would have seen a real show if we would have seen the whole crew out there at eight yeah. to ten. 8 to 10 cloud break. I guess so. While you said you blame the WSL, I'm going to blame the girls. Like, I'm going to blame Courtney and Tati because the real deal is look at footage of Rochelle Ballard in 1998. She was getting shacked out there yeah. and doing turns. 
it, like she that surfing would have won the event this year Kiala Kenley look at the waves that she's charged you know what I mean so I'm going you guys get your act together what are you doing you're behind the curve now I say that knowing that the best wave ever surfed at J-Bay was Tom Curran in 1982 on the very first wave that he caught ever at J-Bay and nobody's ever surpassed that again so I know that like that does take place regardless of what area of surfing you're talking about but still I kind of look at that and I go Court what were you doing you got straight smashed on a few waves out there but you, you got I mean I still wonder though how many times how many like nothing in their whole you know and maybe it's not the WSL's fault you're right like it's uh, but how many times in the, uh, does Courtney or Tatiana through the year have to actually surf waves like that? They don't. They don't do it for photo shoots. Come upon them to go find them. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Okay, it's the girls' fault. Girls like Kelly goes to Tahiti or to J Bay or Cloudbreak. That's sure. what we're talking about. Kelly goes to Fiji four or five times a year when there's no event there, chasing the swell. And okay. I know I know Tyler's done that there actually. Sure. Well, that's the thing too, right? Like, I wonder if that it was just a bad sample. Like, if if Tati and Courtney was. are not the girls who do that, uh, but but I feel that you know I think that Coco Ho might have had fun out there, and Sally's so, done well, so, and precisely, out there. precisely. Where it was just a, it just so happened that those were the girls that made the final in you know not super small, but you know playful cloud break. But uh, those were the girls who did well there, yeah. uh, and typically, you know, it's not going to be necessarily the the girls who would, you know, it yeah. just did work. Well, I think you're right, though. It was a bad, a poor sample. Period. Like that is really what happened at that event. I hate to paint them with like a full brush because watching watching I watched more. I think because it wasn't during the men's waiting period or yeah. whatever. It didn't seem like an afterthought. I watched more of that. Uh, event the women's event you know than i than i have watched for the last two years probably of the women's surfing hmm. and to me there's like it was fun i had i had a super enjoyable time like i watched it because i wanted to not because i felt like i was being forced to right which sometimes you know when when they'll click from the guys to the girls uh there's such a disparity yeah, and it's just like yeah. and they're like i'll just click it off yeah uh, exactly but there's watching the girls in their own. It just made me think that if they had their own tour, if their if their skill wouldn't really flourish, uh, and then everyone would you know be winners, right? We would get a whole other kind of surfing to watch. <clears throat> I just I just I still feel that they're forcing. And what do I know? I don't. I know nothing. But it feels like they're trying to force themselves into a a male kind of box a male way to surf and i still would love to see what's female surfing right well stephanie gilmore is. yeah well and lisa anderson is too right like when i watch clips of lisa surfing i don't feel even though lisa i know modeled modeled herself off of pots and current and these guys she took them and made it feminine where when i look at a lot of the surfing girls these i don't feel a femininity like i see them as feminine right like they're beautiful and you know yeah they're they're physically feminine, but the way they surf isn't feminine. It's rough. It's kind of into the lip, and yeah. you know, all like there's nothing there's nothing graceful. Well, so I I agree with you completely, and I think the two uh, the dichotomy there is Courtney Conlog. I feel like surfs models her surfing after the male side of the tour. Steph Gilmore on the other side of the spectrum is completely doing her own thing playing jazz. And it's freaking amazing. It's oftentimes more enjoyable than a lot of the male stuff. And that's what I'm saying. Like I think 
again, I've been I've been stuck in a in a box watching Lisa Anderson surf pretty much on loop for the last you know couple months, and I would rather watch Lisa Anderson surf than uh, you know a, a whole ton of the guys. Right. I know we're pressed for time. Um, what time do you actually have to leave? How many minutes do we got? Like five. Okay. Let's close with what you were just talking about. Um, why are you spending so much time watching Lisa Anderson surf? So I'm directing uh, Lisa Anderson's kind of bio documentary called Trouble. It'll be out, or we'll screen it sometime in July. I think around the U.S. Open we'll screen or have a screener. Um, but then, yeah, it's a, a festival film. So Why is it called Trouble? Trouble. Trouble was Lisa's nickname. Uh, growing up, she's a runaway. Yeah, Lisa's story is is absolutely epic to me it's one of the it's one of the most or more interesting surf stories uh not only what she did as a woman um but what she did just as you know as a surfer like what she uh sacrificed to surf is it's beautiful i mean her her story is just great so i'm um feel honored that that i'm in the kind of driver's seat of telling it who knew you were a film director dude film director I'm a director of films. So your um, your first film was J- uh, Jamie O'Brien's Who is J-O-B? Yep, Who is J-O-B. Not the TV one, but the, the actual film. The first one. Yeah, the first one. And how did you get into that? I'd worked with Jamie in the past on some stuff, uh, some writing stuff, and it, it, like a little bit with the social media way forever ago. Uh, and then I had moved to Australia um, and Jamie, I think, was like deep into his film at that, or you know, he'd been filming for three years, but they had no story. So he called me and just said, "Hey, I need, I need help. Would you come direct it?" So I, he reached out to you just because of your writing background, or? because he and I had done some stuff together, and I think he just wasn't finding uh, the right. He was, you know, I mean, I I'd lived with him out on the North Shore for a while and stuff, like, or spent, I'd spent plenty of time with him, like weeks, weeks with him. Um, and yeah, I think he just wasn't finding he had all this footage this you know i mean they filmed i think it was like three years you know and so every clip basically was an a plus clip they just had no way of putting it together that that wasn't just a plus clip after a plus clip so yeah so i came in and worked with dayton the uh editor and you know i mean yeah when i showed up there was literally just stacks of footage and so we stitched it together and made a film um, do you have an editing background or anything, or is it more just oversight? Zero. Yeah, okay. I, I can't, you know, move a frame or pick a song. I just sit there and and kind of work with the editor and okay, let's you know, here's the story, right? Like to me, it's all all these movies are story, um, which is what typically is missing from surf film in general, or you know, even broader uh, sports docs. Like I think HBO does some good ones, but mm-hmm. generally they're just the talking head you know people other people saying how amazing this one person was and how much they changed the world forever and ever amen and just hyperbole right. and where I, th- I feel that sports doc has gone to such a place of hyperbole where you can't say anything anymore because right. everything every single moment was a life-changing earth-shattering you know ridiculous moment um and so with lisa's film uh, you know, as, as kind of a, just a storyteller, that, it, that's boring to me to to be hyperbole. I want hers to be quiet. I want it to be soft. I want it to be a person as they're generally or genuinely struggling with their own life, um, both you know having lived it and also trying to recall what it felt like at the moment. And there's something I don't know. There's something quiet and beautiful about. I, do, I love I love her voice. I love the way her voice sounds. And so I just want her narrating. You know. I want her narrating her life, and I don't want other people weighing in on it on film. So it's Lisa 
through interviews, narrating her story with archival footage, with new footage? Uh, it'll be a, a mix of archival and new, but, okay. but but the bulk of it will be archival. Okay. Fascinating. And um, what's the runtime going to be like, 60 minutes? Yeah, it'll so, be 60. Okay. I mean, yeah, just shoot for it. Nice what are your ambitions as a filmmaker moving forward? Do you have any, or is it just project by project? No, I, yeah, I have zero ambitions okay. for film. Uh, I, you know, unfortunately, I like to write, um, yeah. but I love watching. I watch, you know, I watch way more than I read, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just the way, you know, TV and I mean, I just think it's a, obviously a cliche to say, but the golden age of of you know of television, really, or yeah, or, or of you know any all different kinds of formats of, of moving pictures um so i would yeah i mean maybe i should aim to get more into it i think it is television specifically like television is in a renaissance that's amazing right now just because of the platforms um so then are you working on any writing right now and what are you working on i just finished cocaine plus surfing love story which is the follow-up to Welcome to Paradise. So I finished it May 1st. It's at the publisher, so I don't know. Yeah, it gutted me. It was a hard one to write. Can you give us a quick synopsis? Oh, I mean, it started It started as the kind of shared history that cocaine and surfing have, uh, which I, t- I tied back to the Peruvian surfers in whenever it was, 3000 B.C. And, yeah, you know, and cocaine, or the coca bush, I think was the, the earliest... Uh, Cocoa Bush, Cocoa Bush ever discovered was uh, almost the exact same time that the Peruvians started surfing, so that surfers have loved their cocaine from the dawn of time, uh, and, and I kind of weave the histories together. But as the as the book goes, it almost becomes more or a, a thread of it is my own frustration with my own life. Like, why the hell am I still writing? I'm a 40 year old man and I'm writing about surf. Like, what went wrong in my life <laughs> that this is where I'm at? And so dealing with, you know, just surf culture, it's, I guess it's, if it's, if I succeeded, uh, it's a picture of California surf culture in the way that Welcome to Paradise was a, a brief snap, snapshot of Hawaiian surf culture. Amazing. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, thank Go you. pick up your kid, dude. <laughs> Go on. Thank you so much. <laughs> right on, dude. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Right on. Thank you very much, Chaz Smith. Always a blast to see you and to get together with you. Listeners, if you want to know more about Chaz Smith, episode number 72 of this show, Surf Splendor, um, was a straight-up hour-long interview with Chaz detailing his history as a war correspondent, a lot of stories out of his book, Welcome to Paradise, Now Go From Hell. So check that episode out. And then there was a second episode. It's episode number 111, which was with Chaz and then his partner in Beach Grit, Derek Riley, also a co-founder of Stab Magazine. So um, Derek's a super interesting dude. So you should check out that episode as well just to hear more 
from them if you enjoyed this one. And Chaz and I will be back together again to um, bring you more stories from Beach Grit. Make sure to follow beachgrit.com. And then, of course, Chaz's personal Instagram, which is great, um, is reports from hell, at reports from hell. And then I'll link to all of that stuff on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And everything that Chaz and I discussed in this episode is also there. And at Surf Splendor on Instagram. And then make sure, of course, to share the show with friends. If you enjoyed this, if you found any of it valuable at all, share it with friends. That's how we keep this show growing. I will continue to produce content if you continue to help us grow the audience. Thank you very much. And then, of course, we have a PayPal donation set up on surfsplendorpodcast.com if you would like to uh, do a $5 monthly donation. That really does help this show. Um, recently invested in some new equipment and all that sort of stuff. So that's all the business that I have for now. Um, I'll be back next week with an episode of Spit with Scott Bass and actually additionally an episode of Shaping Surfing with Jeff McCallum, surfboard shaper Jeff McCallum. So look forward to that. Until then, this is David Scales signing off and uh, just reminding you, In between listening to podcasts and watching the Fiji Pro, make sure that you get back in the ocean, get a couple of waves, and shred on.